How great to come and celebrate all that Jesus has done. His victory on the cross, that he is risen. He didn't just remain in the grave, he rose again. What a day to celebrate, amen. Well, I've been thinking leading up to this Sunday, what is, uh, doesn't everyone love a, an underdog story? I think everyone gravitates towards an underdog story. They love seeing someone come from a hopeless place to, uh, to a place of victory or to overcoming seemingly impossible odds. What stories come to mind for you? You might think of Cinderella. You know, someone who was a pauper to a princess. Now, you didn't think I'd start there, did you? <laughs> you thought I'd start with some sporting story. Well, we'll get there. Maybe like Rocky. Or maybe like Star Wars. Here, Luke Skywalker takes down the Death Star. There's plenty of underdog stories. David and Goliath. Everyone knows David and Goliath. Here, a young boy takes down a giant. We're all gravitated towards underdog stories. They resonate with us. And, but why is that? Why, why, do we all, why are we all drawn to that? Well, I believe in some way it's a reflection of the greatest underdog story of all time. You might say, what is the greatest underdog story of all time? Well, I believe it's us. It's you. It's me. We are part of the greatest underdog story in eternity. See, here was our state. We were in our sin overwhelmed, hopeless, without light, without hope, in our sin, lost. And this was our state. The Bible talks about it in Isaiah 64. It says in verse 5, You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. Pretty hopeless. That's a great encouraging way to start an Easter Sunday message. Paul, he talks about this he's, in Romans 3. He's comparing the Jews and, and Gentiles and, and, and life there. He says in verse 9, What then? Are, are we better than they? No, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. So we're in a pretty hopeless state. All of us, we are all sinners. We're all without hope. In Isaiah, it talks about our righteous deeds were like filthy rags. So the best of us, our righteous deeds, it's like filthy rags to God. Pretty hopeless, sounds pretty hopeless to me. Yeah. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Well, be encouraged. We are all sinners. We all fall short. We're all in a place of hopelessness, helpless. And it gets even better. Listen, if you think it couldn't get better than that, Ephesians 2 verse 1, as for you, you were dead 
in your transgressions and sins. Now, it doesn't get any more hopeless than dead. I, I like sporting analogies, and when the game's over, there's no hope. When you're dead, the game's over. There is no hope. And here we are, hopeless in our sin, helpless, dead. You can't get any more underdog than that. See, we were stuck in our sin, hopeless, dead, and any attempt at self-righteousness, it was so futile, it was just comical. But the probability of us making God's righteous standard, it was so beyond impossible, it seems ridiculous. How could we ever dream of victory over our sin? That's an underdog story. Hopeless, helpless, dead. No hope of recovery or life or a future. But this Easter Sunday morning, there is good news. Because Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. In Romans 5, verse 6 to 11, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Is that not worth celebrating? Is that not the greatest underdog story of all time, that we were dead without hope, without life, living in darkness, living in hopelessness, and yet Jesus came and died in our place so that we could have life and we could have light and we could go from darkness and death to life and eternity. What a good news story. And I just think about that. God didn't just help us get better. It said there, Paul said, he made us friends of God. In other scriptures, it talks about how we are sons of God. We are adopted into his family. We've gone from being completely outside of God's family, completely outside of his life and his goodness, to now being welcomed in to being part of his family, to being friends with God. What a turnaround. You know, Manly could have come back last night against the Panthers. That would have been miraculous. But this is something else. Colossians 2, verse 13 to 15, You were dead because of your sins and your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges made against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. We have victory. God shamed the enemy. Jesus rose again. And we have victory. He didn't just die. He rose again. And so we have victory. 
We are part of the greatest underdog story of all time. But here's my question. How will you respond? We have victory. It's here in the Bible. Jesus has given us life. He's taken us from darkness to to light, from death to life. He's given us victory. So how will you respond? You know, I love looking at pictures of crowds. I've got one here on the screen. You know, when they celebrate, it's like, to me, it's like an old Renaissance painting. You know, you can look through and every time you look, you see something different. You know, you see different people in the crowd. And you, I love seeing at sporting events how different people respond to moments of, of victory. You know, you see people, they're, in, they're just in complete bewilderment. They can't believe what they've just... They're just what do I do? Do I raise? I, I can't believe what I've just seen. Or, or there's absolute madness. Like I love watching in the the World Cup when Australia was playing, and at like two in the morning, there were flocks of people at Federation Square in Melbourne just going nuts because Australia scored a goal. Or you know, you could see people respond, 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 respond in just relief. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we pulled that off. Or people who respond with a golf clap. (laughs) Or people who respond just, they're in tears, in gratitude, because someone won a game kicking a ball around the field. Here's the thing, you know, it doesn't matter how you respond, we all respond differently. You know, you see some people sometimes, they're very stoic and, yes, I'm celebrating. That's all right. Everyone has their own way of responding. The important thing is that you do respond. How do you respond to the victory you have in Jesus? Uh, uh, You know, don't just sit down and just watch the life go by. Let's respond to the victory that we have in Jesus. You know, we we each... It's got to elicit some response in us. I I follow a team called Arsenal, and this year they're, they're doing very well. And they love to celebrate. And they, there's these things called the celebration police and people get on them because they celebrate too much. <laughs> Don't let the celebration police stop you from praising God and celebrating the victory that he has in your life. <clears throat> Maybe there's people in your life that say, oh no, you know, you're getting a bit crazy now. Maybe you're part of a cult. Well, they don't understand that Jesus died and rose again, that he has taken me from death to life. We have to respond. We can't just sit back and and do nothing. Don't forget or minimize how much you've been forgiven, how great your victory is from darkness to light, from death, hopelessness, helplessness to life and victory. In Luke chapter 7, There's an encounter that Jesus has. He gets invited to a Pharisee's house. And he's sitting there, they're at a meal, and this lady comes and crashes the party. And she's a woman of reputation. She's known as the town harlot. And here she comes, and she brings this big alabaster jar of perfume, and she just comes and pours it out on Jesus and weeps over him and just honours Jesus in this moment. And the guy who invited him, a Pharisee, his name was Simon, and he's kind of saying to himself, well, if Jesus knew who this woman was, he'd he'd be kind of giving her the flick. And 
telling you to go away. And so Jesus begins this dialogue with Simon in, in Luke 7, verse 41. And he tells this, tells this story. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 pieces of silver, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up. And so the banker cancelled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I, I suppose the one who is forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. And then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. You know, I believe when we have a true revelation of how desperate we were, how lost we were, how hopeless our situation was, how we are part of the greatest underdog story of all time, that we won't minimise the forgiveness that we've been given. When the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. We need to understand how much we've been forgiven. How much God has changed our circumstance. And our forgiveness, it wasn't minimal because the cost was not minimal. It cost God everything. He gave his one and only son. So who am I to come and not bring my gratitude to Jesus? To not respond in praise because of the victory that I have in him. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. I don't want to come with minimal gratitude to Jesus. I want to give my everything. I want to praise him. I want to get out of my comfort zone and just lift him up and glorify him because I have an understanding that I was dead, but now I'm alive. So how do we respond? Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, Paul speaks about this. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. How will we respond? You know, I pray that we come every week to church to worship him, to praise him, to give the best of us each and every week. But that can't be our single and only response that we give God our little bit of best on a Sunday. No, Paul talks about here your everyday. Your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and work ordinary life and placing it before God as an offering. You know, in a sense, that doesn't sound very spectacular. But that is what it means to respond to God, that it's an everyday thing. 
that it's not just a little portion of my life. God, when, I, when it's convenient or when I'm in the right atmosphere, God, I'm going to respond to you. No, it is an every day. It is an all in. God, you gave me everything. You took me from death to life and I'm going to give everything to you. I'm not going to hold back in my praise. I'm not going to hold back in myself and God, just give you a portion where it's nice and neat. God, I'm going to give you everything. The ugliness, the hardness in my life, the challenges that I face. It's an everyday deal, living for the king and living for his cause. Let's not restrict our response. Let's not hide away, but let's respond with everything we are. You know, I believe when we understand our victory, when we begin to walk that out every day, two things happen. The first thing is we change our clothing. We dress differently. Now, I don't mean on the outside, but on the inside. You think about it. Before, say, 2018, 2019, how many Panthers jerseys did you see on your day-to-day? <laughs> Maybe once a week you might see one. But now we are on top of the table. We're back-to-back premiers. Almost every day I see Panthers jerseys because we're victorious. Everyone wants to support the winning team. You know, a few weeks ago I was out at a cafe the night after Parramatta beat Penrith. Let's say that quietly. (laughs) But I was amazed at how many Parramatta jerseys I saw around Penrith that that morning because their team won. When you're victorious, you, you change your clothes. You begin to wear the the colours of your team because you want to show everyone, I am on the victorious team. So what clothing will we wear if Jesus has given us victory? How are we going to live our lives for him? Romans 13, 14, Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, the way we live should be different when we understand, when we're walking in our victory, when it's an everyday thing, when it's not just a Sunday thing that I do, just, yep, that tick that box for that week. No, when it's an everyday thing, the way I live is different. The fruits of the Spirit are exampled in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are evident in my life because my clothing's changed. I'm different. God has changed me. He's taken me from death to life. And so I'm putting on different clothing because I'm in the victorious team. I'm on Jesus' team. So are you clothed in Jesus? Are you living for him day in and day out? So we change our clothing. And secondly, I think we change our confidence. When you're walking around day in and day out, feeling shame for your sin, feeling guilt for the way you've lived, for the things you've said. And when you're feeling guilty, you probably just walk around, head down, feeling overwhelmed by life, feeling like it's all too much. When there's no hope, when you don't understand the hope you have, it's hard to walk around confident in what Jesus has done in you. But when you know that you are on the victorious team, you walk around in life, not in arrogance. No one wants an arrogant winner. No, it's not arrogance. It's not saying, ha-ha, look at me, you know. No, it's, and when you understand Jesus has given us victory, it's not through my work, it's not through, through what I've done, it's through him. 
You walk in a fresh new confidence that I am free from sin. Jesus has conquered the grave, so nothing is impossible. So I walk around on solid ground, knowing that I have victory in him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 56 to 57, for, the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory over sin and death. If Jesus has defeated that, if he's conquered the grave, then nothing's impossible. And I can walk in confidence because I'm walking with Jesus. So I pray that from this day forward that you would embrace and put on new clothes. Wear Jesus day in and day out. Don't let your response to him, your response to his victory, just be something you do once a week on a Sunday, but let it be your everyday, ordinary life, coming and bringing it before Jesus and saying, I'm going to respond differently in this circumstance because I've put on Jesus. And I'm going to walk in confidence because I know that I am victorious. Walk in victory. Live as a victor. You know, when we understand that we have victory, our praise cannot be taken away. It doesn't matter what diagnosis you've been given, you have been forgiven. It doesn't matter if, you know, you're facing a struggle financially. We can still praise because we have been forgiven. We've been taken from death to life. It doesn't matter What's happening in that relationship at the moment? You can still praise Jesus because you are forgiven. Nothing takes that fact away. So how will you respond? Are you just going to sit back and let life pass you by? Or are you going to come to Jesus today and say, I give you everything, my everyday, my ordinary life. I want to put on the clothes that you've given me. And I want to walk in the confidence that I have in you. Let's stand. And I want to take a moment now. You know, we've been praising Jesus this morning. Can we praise him once more? We're going to come and our team is going to lead us in a song. I want to encourage you, don't hold back. We have victory in Jesus. We have been taken from death to life. And so come on, we're going to lift a shout of praise in this place. And I pray that you would bring your everyday to him. Lord, I thank you that in you, we are victorious. Lord, that you have transformed us, that you took us from the place of hopelessness without life in darkness. And Lord, we have life in you, life, eternal life, everlasting. And help us to respond to you, Jesus, with all we are in your wonderful name. Amen.